Voices of the Temple, official podcast of the Temple of Witchcraft, exploring mystery and magic through love, will, and wisdom, hosted by Adam Sartwell. Hi, listeners. I'm here with Christopher Penzak, and uh, we're going to be doing a podcast together. Yay! Yay! And uh, so we're just going to take a moment to invoke our space so that you are also with us in our little sacred space. I call to the great spirit. I call to the two who move as one through the three rays of love, will, and wisdom. I call upon the goddess, maiden, mother, crone, past, present, and future, creator, sustainer, destroyer, weaver of the web. I call to the god, lord of light and lord of darkness, God of the green and the gold, God of the horn and the red, singer of the song, be with us now and forever, so mote it be. So mote it be. All right, so I've got Christopher here because I've got questions. So, <laughs> Well, I've got answers for you then. Excellent. So uh, you just completed a whole semester of Witchcraft 5 graduates. Yeah, we just did Witchcraft 1 through 4 and then Witchcraft 5 maybe a couple months after that. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a lot of work. I bet it has. Um, so how was that? Like, It was really great. Um, we did something new this year where we, for Witchcraft 1 through 4, um, ended up picking a date that we were having the Witchcraft 1 in-person class that I'm doing, their initiation night, and encouraged everybody to do their initiation on that night that was doing a solitary initiation. And we encouraged all the rest of the temple that was not doing initiations to be able to... Um, kind of hold the space by letting candles and kind of casting circle and saying prayers and things like that. And I thought that was tremendously successful and I could just really feel the energy is very palatable. So we repeated it for Witchcraft 5. Not that everybody's been through Witchcraft 5, but we asked the whole temple, this is the day the Witchcraft 5 initiates are happening and Mm -hmm. can they just, you know, kind of hold space and let a candle and think of them. And that was really powerful too, because as the one who's leading a lot of the in-person rituals, you could really feel the energy a lot more viscerally. Excellent. That's great. So, um, so anyone can sort of do this who's in the temple. Yep. We we opened up to all the initiates of the temple. I made an announcement in the Facebook group for the initiates and, Mm -hmm. um, but we kind of reserved it for initiates that have been through it. So they're connected to the current of the temple. Excellent. So it's kind of like the, uh, people of the temple becoming the walls to contain that energy. Yeah. In many ways. And their, their own candles and their intentions kind of be in the container. Absolutely. Awesome. So speaking of lighting candles, um, you have this program called the Light Bearers, and I don't know that much about it, so I'm just going to let you talk. Okay. Well, um, the Light Bearers of the Temple was an experiment we started last Temple Fest. Um, as Adam knows, but not everybody here might listening might know, um, we keep a candle lit the whole time at the Temple Hearth. Um, and that candle is ritually prepared and has gone through a lot to evoke the fire of it, both... Um, a candlelight passed from Bridget's flame in Ireland and um, one of the flames from a temple of Greece and then some inner world work with the flames. Um, and so we always light the temple hearth flame from that flame and there's a specific invocation to evoke the spirits of the temple to protect and to guide and to heal and to draw to us the people that are right, um, but really to support everybody in the temple. But um, as you know, because we travel a lot, it can be a little bit difficult to keep that candle going. Sometimes we're gone too far. Sometimes someone else is not coming in that's a, a teacher that can light the candle. And um, I feel, I think, a little bit of the burden of making sure that's going, even though it's also a joy. 
Um, and this has been a couple of years about sharing the burdens and sharing the joys. Mm. So in talking with some folks and meditating on it, there was this idea of gathering a, a council of some sort, but not the ministerial council, just kind of something separate, but still based on the zodiac signs because it's me. So everything's based mm. on the zodiac signs. Um, <laughs> can't, escape astro- can't escape astrology. Can't escape astrology. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and having different people who have expressed a real um, profound level of commitment and volunteerism to hold a candle flame, to be a bearer of light. Um, and so they do some magical work and we don't really get into exactly what the process is unless you're in the group. Um, but as part of it, they're helping keep the flame go and going in the temple. Um, and so this group kind of makes a commitment to be able to be lighting candles and to not only be lighting the candles physically, but to kind of really be holding the consciousness of community and that space throughout their volunteering and throughout their support um, to help kind of bear that burden and share that joy of the temple. Um, so we've been talking and we're going to be continuing this tradition by picking 12 new people at Temple Fest this year. Um, so those light bearers are charged right now to go find their replacements, but they won't necessarily be kicked out. It's just that the current 12 will be who's responsible. And then the previous 12 will kind of be like the elders of the process, kind of supporting and guiding and pitching in when they can. And they can continue to do their duties, but they're just not necessarily um, the primary people that we're we're leaning on to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're also talking about finding ways to make it open to the greater community. So we do a lot for the zodiac signs when the sun is in the particular month of the sign. So we're talking about ways to open that up to the general initiates group and encouraging them to participate, to be light bearers in that way too, even if they're not on the the light bearers council. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what we're doing. So uh, we're going to be doing that at Temple Fest and, uh, and maybe make some announcements to the the body of initiates to have a little bit more information soon. Excellent. That's great. And just a, you know, question clarify, because I know, um, the, these people are not coming into the temple and lighting the candle here. No. They're doing that at home. They're doing, they're holding the space a support, at home. A distance support. Yeah. There was actually a, a distant member who said something really profound to me. Um, but I don't know if he remembers exactly saying it cause we've talked about it. Um, but one of our students from Florida, Michael Usher talked about how the, he likes to think that the temple has many hearts. And although we often think of the space here in Salem, New Hampshire is like the mother house for lack of a better word. And, you know, having the ritual space and the hearth and the eventual community center that will hold even more. Um, I love the idea that the temple has many hearts, you know, that we're really about kind of spreading that light out in those centers of light. So this is for people wherever they may be. We generally like to have them come together for Temple Fest, at least to receive the fire. Mm. Um, But after that, you know, that they're holding the light wherever they are, but it's holding the light of the temple and the spirit and the, the blessings of community. Excellent. That's great. So to sort of go back to um, the Witchcraft 5 graduates, um, in this next coming year, are you doing Witchcraft 5? That I know. That's been the rumor that's been besetting people. It's not a rumor. It is true. Um, We're taking a break from Witchcraft 5. So I've been doing, um, with our previous Dean of Students and now Stevie Grant, um, the series of Witchcraft 1 through 5, every semester, often for a while back-to-back, since about 2008 is when I started. And it's gotten tiring, and it's a lot, and you really want to make sure you're present for all the students. So Stevie and her remarkable organizational skills 
um, has set a schedule for us where we begin at a particular time all the classes, and then we have a couple months off in between the next round to process things and just to rest for a bit. Um, and that's we have less time when there's Witchcraft 5 because Witchcraft 5 is longer than Witchcraft 1 through 4. Mm-hmm. They're all 12 months plus the initiation where Witchcraft 5's quite a few, bit longer than that. Um, so we decided that we're actually going to take a break. So every other semester we'll do a Witchcraft 5. So the classes that are starting in September of 2019 this year just be Witchcraft 1 through 4. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means, sadly, if it goes September to 2019 to September of 2020, the next semester will be March um, of 2021. So you have to wait till 2021, which seems like a long time. Um, but we really encourage people to integrate. There's so much in Witchcraft 1 through 4 to really integrate what they've learned. And we're doing a lot of other classes right now um, between astrology and I had a previous tarot class and the Wheel of the Year and the Path of the Moon. There's a lot of temple-related events and a lot of non-temple-related events that you can work and continue your education while you're waiting for 2021. Excellent. All right. So now that we've gone over the light bearers, um, the other group that people always have questions about is what is the pilgrims? <laughs> so the pilgrims are another um, another experimental group. You know, we don't work in a, a coven based structure. And that was really purposeful, as you know, when we started talking about things, because covens can be really wonderful, but covens can also be really awful at times. So we encourage people to practice together in their own working groups, however they'd like, but the temple doesn't want to administrate covens or set up hierarchies, you know, in those covens. I think there's traditions you can do that. So if you feel that's what you're called to, you can. Or if you want to get an Aquarian modeled coven where just people are coming together to practice, that's been my favorite coven experience. So, you know, we encourage that if you've got people around you. But we don't really have a, a group structure that speaks to the temple's kind of theology and mysticism. So there was a little experiment between me and Alex um, Alex and I used to run the Sabbaths at Unicorn Books in the Boston area, and they were a lot more intimate. They were usually you know, around 20 people, maybe 30 at the most, um, and had a, a deep shamanic element, had a deep mystical element to it. And it's harder to do that when you have public Sabbaths that are open to the general public and are a lot larger. And I love the large Sabbaths too, but they're a different purpose and a different feel. So we're talking about wanting to do a smaller working group Um, And we decided to do a class. So a lot of people think of it as a coven, but it's actually not a coven. It's a class. Everyone paid to be there in it. Um, And what the class is, is basically each wheel of the year Sabbath um, for the whole year, you're asked to hold a particular office. And that office deepens over the process of the year. And it's cooperative. So I give the format and the structure um, of the rituals that follow the basic temple outlines And the offices follow the basic temple theology, um, but you have to hold that energy so it's not switching it around for each Sabbath, which can be beautiful and terrible at the same time because you get something that you don't really like. You know, people didn't really get to choose what office they got. We chose it for them. Um, So Alex and I kind of played the dual role of magisters for the group, Um, but we're really more like master of ceremonies. We're not, you know, we're leading in the sense that we're guiding, but everybody has a role to play in it. And it's a good way for people to learn how to work in groups, and how to have that group ritual experience, but not necessarily be based in a coven. It's not a teaching group, so people are not learning witchcraft one through five in it. Um, It's not necessarily a social group, although there's a group consciousness to the year, so we encourage people to be friendly and hang out and to do whatever they want. Um, In fact, the different offices have different 
responsibilities that relate to that social support. So some are there and charged to be more emotionally supportive to others. Some are charged to be more enthusiastic. Some are charged to keep records. Um, but the basic offices, do you want to hear about the offices? Would that be helpful? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, besides me and Alex kind of splitting a role as magister. So I always envisioned that as the 13th role, but with both of us, there's 14 people in the group in the mm-hmm. class. Um, and then for the, the remaining members, there's 12 cause again, astrology, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> but, um, we've got the four elemental bearers. So if you get called to be an element, you're that element for the whole year. And we talk about that element in the middle world and the underworld and the upper world and really developing relationship with those kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got um, five priests and priestesses that are more of the, the gendered roles of goddess and god, mediating specific energies. Um, but we're not working with specific deities. We're working with them in their most kind of sublime aspects. Mm-hmm. So we've got a white priestess manifesting the goddess who's of the starry heavens, um, but also of the flowers and the material world and the light. Um, we've got a red priestess, which is the body of the earth and all of nature. And we've got a black priestess who's about the darkness and the underworld and death. Um, and then matching up to them, we see the dual god. We've got a god that's all about the vegetation um, and the greenery. He embodies the jacks. You've taken the wheel of the year class. Um, and we've got a horned god that embodies the different aspects of the horned god through the seasons. So from the goat and the ram and the bull and the stag. Um, on top of that, we've got our um, three for the three rays. So we have somebody, and these three roles are not gendered in any way. Um, so anybody can take the roles, and likewise the elemental roles, anybody can take those roles. Um, and this is a sovereign for the red ray, and a really mediating this idea of will and power. And then the seer for the blue ray, who does a lot of the divination and kind of inspires us of what we're going to do next through guidance. And then the sorcerer of the yellow ray of wisdom and cunning. And the sorcerer is really in charge of the spellcraft for the, the ritual. And the magisters will do a meditation of some sort or kind of guide us through stories and themes for the Sabbaths. But it's all very esoteric. It's much less about um, the cultural turning of the wheel and the agrarian society, even though we use that as a model. And it's much more about mysticism. So the first year we did it, it was all about alchemy um, and our sorceress of it was all about the seven stages of alchemy and kind of weaving those into the Sabbaths. And then um, we gave the opportunity at that point, you could leave, mm-hmm. you know, or, and if you left, we filled those spots. A lot of people stayed and the kind of maximum rule is you can stay for three turns. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you got to get out um, and make room for other people. And so actually I'm in it this year as the sorcerer. So I was the magister the first year and I'm the sorcerer for the second year. And for the third year, I'm going to step out and I'm actually going to do it in a online format and experiment with trying to do it in almost like a dream shamanic journey visionary work Um, and I'm primarily going to be looking for ministers um, that are distant to take that course who are interested in setting this up in the flesh and blood to their communities so we can kind of share this kind of magic and this structure we've worked it out and I think it works so it's just figuring out how to teach it to other people so then they can set it up where they're at awesome yeah I'm excited about it it should be fun yeah well on the uh, vein of things you're excited about, uh, so I hear rumblings that there are advanced three-ray classes, <laughs> and I'm sure you want to talk about that. <laughs> yes, there are. It's um, really something I've been working on for a long time. Um, so everybody affectionately likes to refer to it as Witchcraft 6. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily Witchcraft 6, but... Um, 
you know, it's it's a way of looking deeper into the mystical and not necessarily um, having to take the structured homework-based classes. So, you know, everybody knows that I'm really deeply into this idea of the three rays and, and have, you know, really put a lot of the teachings around that in the temple. So what I'm envisioning is um, three years for each ray, if you should so choose. Mm. So um, we'd have a weekend intensive to kind of set the stage, which you can just take the weekend intensive and not, you know, go further. But then the weekend intensive is a prerequisite to a nine-month course. So the first weekend intensive for, you know, three rays, one, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there'll be a red ray one, a blue ray one, and a yellow ray one. Um, and then the next year will be a, a weekend intensive for the three rays two. Um, and then it'll be a red ray two, a blue ray two, and a yellow ray two. And then likewise to the third year, a weekend intensive of the three rays three. And then a red ray three, a blue ray three, and a yellow ray three. But I really want people to focus on a ray. So you can't take all three in one year. So theoretically, if you want to do it all, it's about a nine-year process. Although I'm going to be teaching three of them back-to-back because I've been working on this material since 2012, and I finally feel like it's time to share it with people. I've shared a lot of it at my Mighty Dead intensives, um, and a couple places have hosted me to do three rays intensives, um, and I've shared it with some of the ministers and in some of the dark moons, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's ready to be shared now. So I'm very excited about it. Um, and the the interesting thing about it for people who are like, oh, it's you know a long time to wait for these classes. I'm going to suggest people not be in the degreed classes when they take it, but we're going to open up level one to those who are in witchcraft three or higher, level two to those who have been in witchcraft four or higher, um, and then the level three will be for witchcraft five graduates. So if you don't really have the desire to be a witchcraft five graduate, but you want to take some of these advanced classes, you know, you've got you know potentially six years to study. So. You know, it's giving options for people because I know not everybody wants to take Witchcraft 5, but I think the highest levels of them are really best if you've gotten through Witchcraft 5. Okay, excellent. Um, So with these classes, uh, will there be homework? There will be things to do on your own, but I will not be correcting it. Uh, I'll be asking people to share it in a group forum. I don't know what that will be yet, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we will ask people to share and to check in. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of the, you know, the grad school of things where I'm not going to be making sure you did everything and sending it off to a mentor and evaluating that. I think that's really helpful in the mystery school to get the the groundings of the basics. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not going to, I'm not going to be chasing down people for homework for this. So either you do it because you want to do it or you don't, but it also doesn't confer a degree, you know, Mm -hmm. it really is about your own evolution. So if you want to do the work, then that's great. If you don't want to do the work, then that's fine too. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and I, I love that you took the time to mull it out and to really work it before you expressed it to be other people. Yeah, that's a big thing. I'm, I, I feel like sometimes we don't digest enough. And I think when we get new esoteric concepts or we get a download from something or a teaching... Um, you always have to filter out the ego and you also have to filter out what, you know, really works and how do you express it to other people. So, you know, even the temple books, you know, they started for many years or classes before they became books. And it's that idea that you had to work with other people, get their questions, get the best way to explain it, make sure it works. You know, mm. sometimes something will work for you, but it's not a good thing to translate to other people because it doesn't work for anybody but you. Mm. So you got to kind of sit with it, digest it, test it out on people get feedback and, and then move forward with it. I think that's an important part when we're pioneering new things. 
Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on to Voices of the Temple again. Thank you for having me. And um, thank you, listeners, for being there. And uh, I think we'll just devoke our space and right. uh, get go- going on our way. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We thank the Great Spirit and the two who move as one. We thank the three rays of love, will, and wisdom. We thank the God and the Goddess who move through us and work with us. May we recognize your presence in our lives. Blessed be. Merry meet, merry part, and merry Merry meet meet again. again. Blessed be. You've been listening to Voices of the Temple. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2010 of the Temple of Witchcraft. For more information, please visit templeofwitchcraft.org.